0: Yo, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. This is Frat Squirms. We're going to talk about another horror movie with y'all today while we get stoned. We're going to start with the part where we get stoned. So what would you bring for me today? Let's get our green hits. All right.
1: So I brought over a joint of mimosa, which, for those who are curious, it is a sativa dominant hybrid strain, 70% sativa, 30% indica. And it is created through crossing the classic purple punch with the clementine strains. So, the effects you'll get are, on this are mostly cerebral. It's energizing. You'll be focused, motivated, relaxed, and uplifted. The flavors on this, you'll get a little bit of the citrus notes with some of the fruity. It's herbal, sour, tropical, and woody. And the aromas, you'll get a berry citrus, earthy, flowery, sour, and tropical smell, and these guys are always in the upper 20s. This one was clocking in right at 30.9%, so yeah, I think we'll be all right.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, I just got done recording another show, so I'm already a bit stoned. This is going to kill me in the best possible way. Man, this smoke overcast had me sleeping in this morning, so... I just went to the closest shop down at Flower again and got some more lamb's bread, which they almost always have on tap there, it seems like. I've talked about it before on the show. Jamaican strain, herbally, peppery, touch of citrus, but it's the one we were making fun of, because when you like you look <laughs> up the information, it's like, it said that Bob Marley may have smoked this strain. I'm like, dude, Bob Marley smoked every strain <laughs> he came across. <laughs> <laughs> like come on come on especially if it's already a fucking jamaican strain like of course he fucking smokes some lamb spread like come on man but um no i think this one was testing uh what did i say twenty six eight. nice yeah so, so we got some heavy hitters today that's right the other heavy hitter with today <laughs> as we get into our guts and bolts we're gonna talk about invaders from mars from our boy toby hooper So uh, let's find out who else went into the making of this movie. Guts and Bolts. All right, Guts and Bolts. Spoiler-free, who and what went into the making of this movie. Start off with our spoiler-free setup. A little boy watches what he believes to be a UFO set down. And the follow-up investigation leads to a little bit of a body snatchers type scenario seeming to unfold. Which I don't think is too spoilery for this. That's kind of the what gets you going? What gets you into this? Yeah, I mean the name itself should
1: kind of give you a hint of what you are getting yourself into.
0: Somebody's invading. (laughs) Yeah. Those people, they're from Mars. That's
1: what it sounds like.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, that's a good
1: brief setup of what this film entails and of course we like to talk about the people who will go into making the film and the people in front of the camera. And this week is a gentleman we're very familiar with because we are talking about our director Toby Hooper. And for those who are curious we have reviewed Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 all the way back on our episode number six. And also, our 150th episode, we reviewed Texas Chainsaw Massacre as well. A couple other films of note, I would say stuff like Eatin' Alive from 77, Poltergeist back in 82, Life Force in 85. He's also directed Body Bags, which was a television film he co-directed with John Carpenter. He was also responsible for the Toolbox Murders back in 2004 and 2013's Jin. All right, We have several writers on this. This was based on a screenplay by Richard Blake. We have Dan O'Bannon is a gentleman we've actually talked about before because on episode 67 we reviewed Alien. And a few other things of note for Mr. O'Bannon is if you look at his filmography, he's uh, helped with the story for Heavy Metal, which is actually a really cool animated movie, dude. I fucking dig Heavy Metal. Hell yeah. He's also responsible for the screenplay for Total Recall, Aliens, Aliens 3. He's also helped with the uh, Prometheus, which was based mm. on elements created by him as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mostly just the Aliens and also for The Return of the Living Dead back in 85. It's another really cool film. All right. Along with him, we also have gentleman, Don Jacobi. We've actually talked about him because of our episode number 33, which we review, John Carpenter's Vampires. And also, episode 83, we reviewed arachnophobia.
0: Oh, okay. so a gentleman we're very familiar with as well. While we're talking about the writing of this movie, it's probably best we also point out that this is technically a remake of a 1953 movie. Exactly, exactly. All right, cinematographer, another
1: gentleman we've talked about before, Daniel Pearl, is because on episode 150, we talked about him. Because of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he was the DP on... Some other things of note, he helped with the 2003 remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He was also the DP on Aliens vs. Predator Requiem back in 2007. Friday the 13th remake back in 2009, the film The Boy, and Mom and Dad from 2017. And a lot of people probably recognize his work because he's a DP on so many music videos for so many people. Uh, More notably, probably, is the Michael Bay-directed I Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That. He's responsible for that. Yeah, I mean, when you look at his body of work when it comes to like being the DP on music videos, he's done The Polices, Every Breath You Take, Wrapped Around Your Finger. He's done Cooling the Gang's Joanna, uh, which is a really good song. <laughs> she works hard for the money, Donna Summers' <laughs> music video, Dancing with Myself, Billy Idol's okay. music video. Yeah, damn. Yeah, just some really cool stuff, man. A lot of uh, 80s bands, Wham's, The Edge of Heaven. It's really neat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyhow, we have editor Elaine Jakovic. We've actually talked about this gentleman before because he was the editor on Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, episode number 6 of The Fried Squirms. Some other things of note, perhaps, if you're... Curious about his bodies of work. He's also edited such things as Air Marshal. He's done such things as Dirty Movie. Let's see, South Central Gospel. Bobby Z. A couple other things of note. Blind Horizon. The Order. Stuff like that. So some mm. interesting things as well. And we have music composed by Dave Stores. This is his only film credit. And a gentleman we've talked about once again before is Christopher Young. We've talked about him on Episode 7. We reviewed Hellbound Hellraiser 2. And episode 92, because of Trick or Treat, a Halloween episode we actually reviewed. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah, so a couple of things of note we have, we've uh, talked about before. All right, special effects. We have Germano Natale, Makeup Effects Laboratories, and Stan Winston Studio. Some pretty big names on this project when it comes to special effects, too, which is really cool.
0: John Dykstra. Yeah, another big one. Also worked on it, who worked pretty heavily on some of the Star Wars effects, so... Yeah, it's
1: really cool, dude. All right, this was produced by Yorm Globus and Melchem Golan. Production company was Canon. Golan Cannon. and Globus that's yep. Canon. Exactly, because our production company was Canon Pictures. This was distributed once again by Canon Film Distributors for the 1986 United States theatrical release. Release date was June 6, 1986 here in the States. Had an estimated budget of about 12 million. It grossed about 4.9 million worldwide. And the tagline I have, there are several, but the one that I thought was pretty decent is, their conquest has already begun. He knows they are here.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's
1: not bad. Yeah, that's not too bad. So that rounds out people who go into making the film. And our cast will actually lead off with a child actor. And this gentleman, his name is Hunter Carson. He plays the role of David Gardner. And the only other film really of note is he was also in the film Paris, Texas, way back in the day as a child actor. He's also known as Karen Black's real-life son. I had no idea that that was the case. Yeah, so it makes a little bit Thanks. more sense when you think yeah. about the casting. All right, we have Timothy Bottoms plays the role of George Gardner, which is the father of David Gardner in this film. And uh, this gentleman's actually got a really impressive body of work. If you look at his work, let's go back in Johnny Got His Gun. Joe Uh,
0: Bonham, the lead of Johnny Got His Gun, which most people might remember as being the film that was used in the Metallica Metallica. 1 music video.
1: That's pretty awesome. Now, he was also in The Last Picture Show, which is a film I highly recommend. need to check that out. All right, some other things of note. He was in the film Texasville. He was also in The Video Game... American hero as Jack Armstrong back in 95. He was in the film Uncle Sam. You might have seen him in The Girl Next Door in 2004.
0: He was in Top Dog with Chuck Norris. That's pretty neat, isn't it?
1: Uh, He was in the Crocodile Hunter collision course as President George Walker Bush. Now, here's something I read, too, is that he does... A really good George Bush impersonation. Oh
0: yeah, because he's uh, Bush on "That's My Bush."
1: Yeah, I thought, damn, that's pretty cool. Uh, some television roles include Freddie's Nightmares back in nineteen eighty nine. You might have seen him in the Ray Bradbury Theater in nineteen ninety in the episode of Here There by Tigers. And uh, more recently, looks like Lone Rider in two thousand eight. He's well, out some video game stuff too.
0: He was a uh, vice principal, vice principal Cole in that yeah, seventy s- show. Just saw that. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah, so. Some
1: things of note for our generation. All right, moving ahead, we have Lorraine Newman plays the role of Ellen Gardner, who is the mother of David Gardner in this film. Now, once again, she's a really cool character in this film, but if you look at her body of work...
0: Holy shit. She
1: started off in SNL.
0: One of the original cast movies. Yeah, which
1: is really interesting. Uh, I believe she helped with some of the Coneheads. Yeah, so she helped with some of the Coneheads skits way back in the day with Dan Aykroyd. And when you look at some of her filmography, it includes such things as St. Elsewhere. She was also in uh, E.T. and Friends back in 83. She was in Steve Martin's Best Show Ever in 81. She had roles in Problem Child 2, which is really interesting. I mentioned she was in Coneheads from 93. She also appeared in episodes of Friends, The Tick, Third Rock from the Sun, Cat, dog, Sonic the Hedgehog, Rugrats. Uh, she was also in Seventh Heaven in the, in the Flintstones movie. A lot of voice work in the 2000s and 2010s. Uh, a lot of really cool shit, actually. When you start looking through it, Wreck-It Ralph, The Lorax. Let's see here, The Wizard of Oz, which is an animated version, of course. Yeah, so it's kind of neat to see her. She's in this film. All right, we've already mentioned her, but we've got Karen Black, who plays the role of the school nurse, Linda Magnuson. Now, we've talked about Karen Uh, actually more than once, one time on our last episode. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I think that was where we stopped and... We actually finished it because of episode 38, we reviewed House of 1,000 Corpses.
0: So well, one of our lost episodes. That's oh, right. Dude, we had another we one. We have another lost what episode. Jesse, right? Yeah, that nobody's heard any of yet <laughs> because I have not increased my uh, sound engineering to the point to be able to save that episode yet. I'm going to go back one of these days and check it out, though. I've been doing a little bit of extra editing work these days because I've got some ideas in the works for things we can bring you all. So
1: That'll be fun. Yeah, some other films of note, just real briefly. She was in Easy Rider back in 1969. You might have seen her in The Great Gatsby back in 74 as uh, Myrtle Wilson. She was also in the Trilogy of Terror, which was a television film back in 75, where she played multiple roles. She was also in the horror film Burnt Offerings, a film I'm kind of curious about. It's the Peter Hyams film Capricorn One, which is uh, quote-unquote about the staged moon landing hmm yeah and uh she was also in it's alive three island of the alive she was also in children of the night back in 91 i mean she's been in a ton of genre film children of the corn part 4 96 yeah but it's really cool seeing her in this film all right we have james carron plays the role of general clement wilson in this film And this gentleman goes way back, but some people might recognize him. Uh, Let's see here. Because of his role in All the President's Men back in 76, you might have seen him in The Jazz Singer back in 1980. He was Mr. Teague in Poltergeist from 82. He was in the film Time Walker back in 82, which is actually really cool. Also in The Return of the Living Dead back in 1985, which is actually a film I'm familiar with. He was in Hard Bodies 2. He was also in Return of the Living Dead Part 2. He was in Behind Enemy Lines back in 97. You might have seen him in The Pursuit of Happiness, which is really interesting. And uh, more recently, Confessions of a Teenage Jesus Freak <laughs> from 2017. So that's pretty cool. All right, we have Bud Cort, who plays the role of Mark Weinstein, who is the young NASA scientist in this film. This one really surprised me, dude. He was the one I mentioned he was in M.A.S.H., the television film. He was played Lorenzo Boone. Mm -hmm. But people might recognize him because he plays the titular role of Harold Parker Chasen in the film Harold and Maude from 1971. Oh, okay. It's like, wow, that is really cool. He was also in the film Pumping Iron (laughs) about fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like, what is he doing in that? It's kind of interesting. He was in Brave New World back in 1980. Some people might've seen him in Bates Motel back in 87. The Chocolate War back in 88, really good film, highly recommended. He voiced Josiah Wormwood in Batman, the animated series back in 1992.
0: Holy shit, he's God. He's yeah. John Doe Jersey in Dogma. Dogma. Yeah. He's the guy that the fucking, the kids knock out.
1: That's pretty crazy, isn't it?
0: Like he's not God, cause Alanis Morissette's God. Right, but right, he's right, right, The avatar of God. Jersey. Yeah, John Doe Jersey. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. He's John Doe Jersey.
1: Yeah. So like I said, this blew my mind. He was also in the film But I'm a Cheerleader. Highly recommend that one. Some people might have seen uh, Coyote Ugly where he played the role of Romero. He was in The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, Another film I highly recommend. He was also in Arrested Development as himself back in 2006. And he voiced The King and The Little Prince back in 2015. Alright, another actress kind of blew me away when I saw her credit in this, but we have Louise Fletcher. She plays the role of Mrs. McElch. Some people might recognize her because if you go back, she was in a little little bitty film. You might have heard of it. It's called One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, where she plays the adorable Nurse Ratched. So I know that's a lot of people's favorite character in that film. You might have also seen her as Dr. Gene Tuscan in The Holy Exorcist 2.
0: fuck, how did I not recognize her? Yeah,
1: that blew my mind when I saw that, dude. She was also in the film Strange Behavior back in 81. You might have seen her in Brainstorm from uh, 83. Firestarter. Yeah, in 84. She was also in Once Upon a Time in America. *Full uh, Intentions. Yeah, dude. The Boy Who Could Fly, film I grew up with back in 86. She was also in Flowers in the Attic from 87. <laughs> <laughs> Fucked up film. She was in Blue Steel from 1990. Not my proudest fap. <laughs> Mine either, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> Uh, Let's see here. More recently, she was in such things as A Perfect Man and A Dennis the Menace Christmas in 2007. Plenty of television roles. Let's see here. More recently, such things as Seventh Heaven back in 2005. Joan of Arcadia back in 2004. My grandmother washed it, but she was also in Picket Fences back in
0: 96. Oh, fuck. Okay.
1: Yeah. That's kind of cool. All right. We have Jimmy Hunt plays the role of the police chief in this film. Interesting thing to note is that he was in the original Invaders from Mars back in 1953. And before that, yeah, he was also in Cheaper by the Dozen back in 1950. And uh, yeah, his filmography goes all the way back to the 1940s. So yeah, it's kind of neat to see him in this. All right, we have actor Eric Pierpoint, who plays the role of Sergeant Major Rinaldi in this film. Some people might know him. Because he was George Francisco on Fox Network's Alien Nation. And he also appeared on each of the first four Star Trek television spin offs, which is really interesting yeah, as funny. well. Yeah. So, yeah, just looking at some of his filmography, uh, some things of note. He was in the film Forever Young back in 92. Pretty decent little film. Uh, Liar, Liar back in 97. You also might have seen him in The World's Fastest Indian, which is a really good oh, film, dude.
0: He's the police chief on Parks and Rack. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he was an NSA officer in the Transformers film Revenge of the Fallen back in 2009. Yeah, dude. Some really cool stuff television wise, too. Like I said, all those stuff and some of those Star Trek spin-offs is really cool. Yeah. I've got two more people, and that pretty much rounds out our cast and crew. I have Christopher Alport plays the role of Captain Curtis in this film, and some people might recognize him because he's been in such films of Circle of Power back in 81. He's in the film Dead and Buried from 81. He's also in To Live and Die in L.A. back in 85. And probably more notably, the Jack Frost films because he plays Sam Tiller in Jack Frost, and Jack Frost 2, Revenge of the Mutant Killer Snowman.
0: All right, one last thing on Eric PurePoint. Yeah. Because I, had, I just looked at his face again, and I'm like, oh, shit he's Jennifer Tilly's husband in Liar Liar.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right, last but not least, we have Tony Cox. He plays the role of a drone, which we'll get into a little bit more detail what that is later, you know, in the film. But some things of note for him, he was in the film Nice Dreams. If you've Mm -hmm. ever seen that Cheech and Chong film as Midget Nut back in that. He was also in such things as Return of the Jedi. He was in Ewok. He was in Ewoks, the Battle of Endor. He played Willy, which was a television film. Whittle. Oh, excuse me, but yeah. <laughs> he was also in Spaceballs as Dink back in 87, which is really cool. He played the Preacher in Beetlejuice back in 88. He was also Nelman Warrior in Willow back in 88. Yeah, Rockula, he was Big Owl. Bill and Ted Bogus Journey. he played uh, Station, which he went uncredited as. God, man, yeah, some really cool stuff. Leprechaun too. he was an African-American Leprechaun.
0: That's funny.
1: Holy shit. Yeah, so it looks like he pretty much played a lot of little people roles. Like he was uh, Marcus Skidmore in Bad Santa back in 2003 as well. So yeah. But yeah, that pretty much rounds out our cast and our crew. We gave you a brief setup of what this film entails. We should give you a few warnings heading into this film. Um, uh, one of them being that this film is rated PG, I believe. So this is a little bit more family friendly. I don't know if you want to consider that a warning, but just to give you a heads up
0: that's tony cox okay sorry i had to actually take a look at him i know who the fuck is. oh yeah yeah he was in he was in friday yeah
1: (laughs) he's a little dude in friday
0: okay you started saying some of these roles and i'm like wait who okay no 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 we're good we're good i know who that is that's pretty cool man i didn't i I didn't know that he was station
1: yeah i had no idea dude
0: that's pretty cool station (laughs) okay anyway um and fucking spaced invaders that kind of fits in. <laughs> We're some fucking space invaders on this shit. Yeah, when you think about it. Warnings. Like you said, PG. I don't even know if there's any cussing. If there is, it's very mild. There's a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Towards the beginning.
0: Yeah. Aliens. Alien violence. Yeah. A lot of gunplay. Yep. Explosions. Yeah, a lot of running. Like we said, it's kind of a body snatchers type scenario. It really is. So it kind of is. That's the kind of thing you're kind of getting yourself into
1: yeah i'd say it leans maybe a little bit more sci-fi more so than horror
0: mm-hmm. that at warning, least after a certain point yeah yeah yeah. honestly i think that's good for the warnings because there's not much to warn about in this movie i agree warning it's all free on youtube
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and if warning to
0: take that as a judgment of any an, kind another warning if you're going to go down that route we've already
1: mentioned this it's political season so enter <laughs> at your own risk
0: <laughs> enter at your own risk <laughs> Very, very truly. And let's uh, go into how Invaders from Mars made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? I mean, I'm still kind of blown away that Tony Cox is one of the drones, and I, that I feel like this makes this movie that much cooler. Because once I, I saw who Tony Cox is, I'm like, oh, what the fuck, he's involved in this movie even? That's fucking Some cool really shit.
1: really interesting people. But then again, when and you Timothy look at... Timothy Bottoms, Jesus Christ, what... When you look at who all went into making the film and then you see the cast, you're like, wow, this is really well balanced and a good use of
0: cast and crew. So how did this movie make me squeal? One of the big ways this movie made me squeal, because it's still kind of grating on me, is I can't fucking figure out if I had ever seen this movie or not before. Man, that was
1: the one thing this whole weekend that was kind of grating at me as well. was like, man, if I had seen
0: this film, I had totally forgotten about it but parts of it seemed so fucking familiar. I know, right? But then it's like, ah, even the way Timothy Bottoms fucking delivers some of his lines in yeah. the kitchen and shit, I was like and like the frog eating seemed super fucking familiar, but there were some things that felt kind of right at home because it's an 80s film, 86 on top of it. So
1: it mean you know, I would have been a couple of years removed from like really remembering something like this, you know, but I I don't know. If I like I said if I had seen it, I honestly don't remember it. At least not as a child. You know, honestly, I can't say I have a history with it outside
0: of just forgotten
1: memories at mm-hmm. best. <laughs> I liked it.
0: I mean, no, long story short, before we get to the rest yeah. of it, like,
1: I liked it. It's entertaining enough, and I think it's one for
0: its intended audience. It,
1: you know, I think it's a, a good film for that.
0: Really, my first note, I mean, because I take my notes the second time through watching the movie, so it had kind of been on my mind after the first time through, and it just solidified rewatching some of those opening scenes it's really weird to find out that Karen Black was actually the kid's mom mm-hmm. because one of my first notes is truly that I wish that Lorraine Newman would have had the role of the teacher so that she would have had more time with the kid because gotcha. they had really good rapport back and forth. And I really yeah. liked the way that I felt their like relationship the, was set up with the mom. and The whole family unit felt mm-hmm. pretty
1: authentic for the most part. Like the opening with the kid and his dad – just stargazing watching the meteor shower having a little playful back and forth you know cussing very lightly and the mom coming out it's like you know oh we got to get ready for bed you know all the, all, the whole spiel that you get as a child but you could tell there was a, a certain dynamic that they all had together mm-hmm.
0: felt pretty like good, felt pretty, good. It felt pretty yeah, authentic I they did a good job yeah um i liked the kids sort of being realistically portrayed with having like multiple big interests like not only does he want to be part of nasa but he has like this penny collection because exactly i feel like so often in movies like kids do one thing you know what i mean yeah like go ask like a fucking five-year-old what they want to do and they're like well i want to be a doctor fireman astronaut yeah exactly
1: they have several interests it's yeah you you rarely find it in film
0: where it's it's multiple things that
1: they're interested in
0: and then something from like the first like three minutes of the movie comes back at the, almost the very end with that fucking penny. Yeah. I had completely forgot about that fucking penny.
1: Yeah. In a way, it, it does kind of set that up. I think but, there's uh, something
0: else in the middle where he goes back for the penny, but I'll admit I kind of checked out during a couple times <laughs> in this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, he he carries, somehow he gets a hold of a penny sacks and we're down the road. But anyway, you're right. It does set up that whole thing at the end with his penny. All right. There's also something I noted the second time through. I mean, first time I kind of noted it, but it really stood out, was the product placement in this film with the M&Ms and Cap'n Crunch. I'll admit, I didn't notice it. And there was a lot of shit. (laughs) I was like, damn, this is totally the 80s right here, bud. A lot of product placement.
0: I didn't notice that. The thing is, parts of this movie, I think it's because I was a little bit checking out because parts of this movie just sort of felt... Buy the formula for like yeah, movies I mean, it's, from this time period. It's nothing like,
1: out of the ordinary.
0: Like I've seen when the dad gets taken over. Like we've seen in I don't know how many movies people do the drink a shit ton of hot coffee gag. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was still well done. I liked
1: you know, the added mints with it.
0: That was fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. Cause it even it's even more like, okay, something's fucked with dad now.
1: Yeah, it's not just his shoes. It's not just his behavior. It's like, he's <laughs> he's completely off.
0: But I thought it was well done because even though they would cut away and cut back, every time they cut back, it still had steam rising from it. And so yeah. really fucking sold it. So that was, I mean, that was cool. The body snatchers thing has never really instilled too much of a sense of terror in me, I guess. Right. So like,
1: for me, not a, not as much as when I was a kid because the idea of, once again, of... Not having control of your body, like something invading, you're just a host. (laughs) But yeah, I haven't felt that way since a kid.
0: Well, and then once I realized that's kind of what was going on, it was just like, okay, so what's this going to lead to? And I thought that's where the movie got interesting for me. I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but like, the movie to me got interesting once like the military got involved. And it wasn't like your standard military getting involved. Like they were actually confident in what the fuck they yeah, were doing. And, like, I agree. Up until that point, it just I was like, okay, I've seen this. It's called gone. Yeah, it's just kind of, of the plotting. Body
1: yeah, exactly. It's just I've kind of plotting. This. It's more or less focusing on the townspeople, more so than the oversight, which is the military and NASA and everything else that's involved.
0: To an extent it was even fucking killer clowns. Yeah, somewhat. I
1: mean, because of the invasion, it's intended to feel a little campy, like a throwback to the 1950s films we've talked about before once again. But I think that's kind of the appeal, and it makes total sense that somebody like Hooper would be attached to it.
0: Nurse Ratched was absolutely terrible as that fucking... I mean, like she did a good job, but like fuck that teacher. Man, especially in the beginning where... She felt realistic, though, too. No,
1: totally authentic. It started making me think about... What I could remember as a kid in the '80s with teachers and schoolrooms and shit like that,
0: and I said, "Yeah, I totally felt. I feel like I had that teacher at some point.
1: (laughs) I don't think I've had a teacher quite that severe. Not that
0: bad, but like, but would miss the one thing that happened and then just go full on on a fucking student that didn't have it coming. Yeah, not
1: only did the kid, you know, prick his finger with the blade, you know, he was trying to stick up for his classmate. The girl I got smacked. To,
0: I hope you need to get the tetanus shot. I know that's fucked up. <laughs> that. Fuck that bitch. One, two, three, four, five.
1: <laughs> it's Like what kind of shit? I can honestly say I've never had that happen,
0: where somebody does the count like that. I know at least one of my teachers had to have, but I'm, I can't. Not I like that. Tell you who right now? One, two, I two, three, have four, a couple five. good guesses at who would have done that, but <laughs> I couldn't tell you for sure.
1: All right, but what that leads to is she's taking David to the nurse, which we just discussed. It's his mom in real life. And that begins kind of their storyline, their arc and all that stuff.
0: I don't know if I should count it as good acting or not if they didn't seem like they were a mother and son. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know what you're
1: saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the film, I was thinking that too. I was like, it makes sense why Toby Hooper would want her to kind of lead with him.
0: It could only help, really, when it comes to working with child actors, no matter how good they are. Yeah. Could and only it, really help if the mom's already an accomplished actress. That's what I was
1: gonna say. She's an accomplished actress with an accomplished director, cinematographer, all these people, you know, around him. She's just gonna help him, you know, carry the story, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think they do a pretty good job feeding off each other. I mean, it, it was not the greatest you're ever gonna no. see, but it wasn't bad either.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to make it sound like it was bad.
1: No, I mean gets... that some of the reviews I have seen, which are very slight in, in general, but the kid's usually the one who gets the finger pointed yeah. at I mean he's a kid he's fine
0: yeah he didn't most do bad most of the bad. time he's good There's a couple some of, of his reactions are kind of that,
1: yeah his reactions don't differ too much depending on the circumstance they're usually like, uh, just in awe the whole time mm-hmm. <laughs> you know he got that nailed but regardless um but it's not bad it's not bad no no the kid does a pretty good job man uh, I think he carries the film pretty well considering you know He only has to do it so much because he's got other things that's happening around him, too, that are just as interesting, I think.
0: Once again, maybe it's just because I thought the kid had a really good rapport with Lorraine Newman. But I did not think that she was going to be taken over as quickly as she is in the story. I kind of like how that plays out in the beginning, too, where, you know,
1: the dad, we've already talked about what happens with him. Because he checks on well, we should mention that too. I think it's interesting. Is I like how all that shit sets up in the beginning too, with the you know UFO landing, mm-hmm. and then that object coming at him, and he freaks out. You know, and then because the dad said he check it in the morning, that's why the dad got fucked up the way he did. And then later on, the kid there's a, a really good psych out moment where the kid he gets away from his dad to get the, to the bus, and then all the shit transpires at school. Mm-hmm. But when he comes back home. The door's open, and it seems a little ominous, you know. He goes in, and he sits down, and he watches a movie. And I was curious. I was like, I wonder what exactly it is. You, did you see what that was? I know what that is. Yeah, it's life, force. life Force. has like, hell yeah. But then the mom does Which the classic Psych Out.
0: also was another canon film. Yeah.
1: That was the second one out of the three mm-hmm. that he was uh, hired for, the third one being Texas Change of Massacre too. Yep. Yeah, it was really cool. So what I liked was how that... Little toy robot, whatever it was, activate it, spook the kid, and then the mom does the voice. I thought it was David Gardner, "Feed me, please," yeah. or whatever. Yeah, she psyched them out pretty good. But the whole point is, is that the dad hasn't arrived home or he hasn't been home, and it gets to be nightfall, and then the mom's like, "Okay, now I'm worried." They call the cops. The cops come out. They're like, "Okay, we're gonna expect over the hill." <laughs> what I like is when they do walk away. Is in the dad and his buddy just pop out
0: <laughs> and it's like hey,
1: hey how's it going? We just got here. We haven't been hiding here the whole time. <laughs> and then the it's dude is
0: wife and my son.
1: And then dude's like, okay, I've got to get going. Deuces. <laughs> one of the police officers we mentioned earlier too. He was one of the guys that was in the original. He was the kid. He's like, yeah, I haven't been over here since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that's kind of clever, but. The whole point being is that when those cops return and they have the interaction with the father and he's like, everything's all right. And they all shake their heads. (laughs) And then they walk off. Everybody walks off the same way. That was kind of cool. It's a little humorous. But the whole point being now is the kid's kind of like, oh, fuck, this is fucked up. And then later on that night, you know, the mom's washing up. And then the dad's like, you know, we're going to have a walk over the hill later on. And it winds up being the mom. And not yeah. the kid because the kid's watching it, and I kind of like that the way it's shot, and the kid's yeah. watching it. And he's like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and
1: then she wakes up the next morning making breakfast. Is all fucking bacon. Fucking Up
0: the bacon. Yeah,
1: fucking up the bacon, freaking the, the kid out. beef with salt.
0: Yeah. All right, I was slightly amazed at how much just the raw ground beef eating <laughs> can still sort of make me feel after I have now encountered a point in my life where I've went to a bougie enough restaurant that I have had steak tartare.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I still... I and know I'm like, saying. I have
0: ate a variant of that, and yet when she fucking mouths down on that, I was still like, oh, no, don't do that. Ew.
1: <laughs> but I'm yeah, like, wait, no, you still. ate that,
0: dude. With egg. And it wasn't traditional steak tartare. Like, I went to a place, and it, they did it like a southwestern style. Okay. So it was like serrano pepper and shit. It was cool. (laughs) Do a little flavor on it. Yeah, yeah. Nice, dude.
1: Yeah, so, uh, all right. So we've already mentioned the mom Served up
0: on like a tostada. That sounds not bad, dude. Cool.
1: Yeah, all right. So now the mom and the dad both are fucked up. Kid goes back to school and you can tell it's some shit's already off too because of the teacher, right? Which I kind of like, man. I I like a little bit of the spying that, element that happens in this film where the kid's kind of spying on people and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's dodging people and he's also spying but what it amounts to is the teacher scene where she's eating the frog, right, and then she's chasing him and shit and um, what's kind of fucked up is he hides in the van that happens to be McElch's and I was like, it also happens to be like the creep van. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, of all the places you could have jumped in, you, you jumped in the 1980s pedo van that you've been warned against
0: <laughs> you're, you're definitely going to get molested jumping in that van
1: yeah you something else is getting stuffed besides these animals in here mm-hmm. <laughs> right? but the whole point like I said is the kid was ducking I believe the uh the nurse she gave him the key oh, to hide right. out right yeah, yeah but what happens is is the kid gets driven because he's in the van to like this uh entrance to a cave that the, the teacher winds up going into and then the kid follows and We get the introduction to like those drones or whatever, and she does the A-E-I-O-U. That was fucking... I I don't know what that was about. There was no resolve with that that I'm familiar with.
0: This movie weirdly reminded me of a different movie as well, and I'm curious what you'll think about this comparison, but with a rather capable kid... And kind of getting to the heart of the matter pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And so then the movie just sort of leans even harder into the sci-fi and the weird with the back half. Kind of felt a little phantasm A little to bit
1: me. at moments. Yeah. I can agree with you there.
0: Not in a bad way. Just no, a no, little. No.
1: But uh, it made me think about certain films with child actors that we've talked about before. And the ones that are the stronger ones and the ones that are not so strong in terms of their acting and capabilities and just their character, overall character. I still feel like Mike is probably one of the stronger, Mm -hmm. you know, child actor characters that we've come across.
0: But up to this point, some of the film's actually been, like, ramping up and, like, getting a little bit creepier, kind of almost capping off with, like, the frog swallow when he's creeping and shit. Yep. I do feel like once him and Karen Black are kind of on the run and, like, he's been down in the ship and, like, you see it being explicitly sci-fi and stuff. Yeah. That the movie from there on out feels a little bit more like an 80s adventure movie. It does.
1: It does because now they're, it's a tandem, mm-hmm. you know, and it turns more into, like, that chase the cat and mouse game kind of stuff.
0: A weirdly, like, I don't know. Like, I know it's quite a bit different, but parts of it, it was almost like, this is, like, if the Goonies was set in a PG (laughs) Geezer environment. Yeah,
1: that's a good point. It has elements of certain
0: films we've done before. The ship was like, if you can't make the (laughs) ship... Like, if you have to round off the edges enough so that the ship isn't explicitly made out of vages and dicks like it is an alien, you know what I mean? Like... (laughs) It's like yeah, the I don't next it step. Fly. It's like two steps down from that. It's like all the same basic designs, but like we can't make it look quite Not as, as much like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, I, I I get it. I understand that. This can't be quiet as much as a vag. Maybe a little bit of a rectum. That's I think okay. I saw a couple shrinkers worked into that ship design. Buttholes are always funny. Yeah. Part <laughs> jokes and buttholes. Yeah. Down in the ship, we get to see a bunch of shit though. Yeah. And it's
1: not bad. It's not bad. The design's pretty decent. Are fucking
0: cool looking, the Martians.
1: Yeah, I wasn't expecting them to be as practical as they were either, no. to be, be honest.
0: And the Supreme Martian Intelligence, which is kind of the reason why we picked this movie. I have a piece of art up on the wall in our recording studio has a bunch of sci-fi references and I'm like, "Well, I know that guy's yeah. from a fucking Toby Hooper movie, so maybe we should watch that one." And now it kind of disappoints me, because now that I've actually seen the movie, I realize that it's missing the big back half of it. Yeah. Because it's kind of like the end of a tongue. It kind of is. Yeah, because it, gets it comes through, back in out that through that, that sphincter. Yeah, Yeah. Well, there's like the mechanical part that opens up, but it's coming down out of almost like a sphincter. Yeah. And it's like this <laughs> fucking tongue that the face thing sits on the end of. And now looking at this picture, I realize that it's only the fucking head part, which is not accurate, but whatever. It's still cool that he's there. You know what it kind of reminded me of a little
1: bit? I don't know how familiar you are with this or not. Craig? I used to watch this show back in the day. It was called Captain N. Oh, okay. Right? No, and I'm not it, it had like Captain. Kid Icarus and right. Simon Belmont and all that shit and Mother Brain from Metroid. But that's what it kind of reminded me of a little bit. I mean... Granted, I mean, there are two completely different characters, but it's like eh, a little bit. It has a little bit of a brainish kind of look to it, but I don't know. I, I feel like it could have been utilized a little differently in this film, maybe a little bit more. But
0: yeah, it was cool. I mean, I like cool the design looking. on it. Yeah, yeah, it looked cool. I just the other one surprised me more, like the standing walking drones. Like they Likewise, were super cool looking. I like those a lot. They were really dope. On the <laughs> the other side, <laughs> the drill thing that was kind of veiny that I started calling the lethal drill (laughs) dough. Yeah, the drill dough. I don't know if it would necessarily work as a drill (laughs) the way they show it with only like the two blades not really forcing much of anything. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know why they had to make the end veiny. (laughs) It was the 80s. (laughs) Also, the drill dough completely interrupts the fucking drone policeman when they were about to have him. If it would have just held back and let the policemen... They're on the same side. At this point. (laughs) The policemen have been fucking snatched by the fucking supreme clip brain. (laughs) Yeah. and you're
1: right. I mean, they had them dead rights, and it fucked them up.
0: Yeah, the drill fucked them up. That's getting in your own fucking way there, invaders from Mars. You don't deserve to capture the kid. No, not at that point. Like You had them dead rights, and you fucked it up. The drones, though. One of the things they did kind of weirdly remind <laughs> me of the mouth style, kind of lo- reminded me of Audrey from fucking um, Little Shop. Little Shop, yeah, that's pretty cool, dude. This film reminded me a little bit of a couple of different films
1: at some certain points. I think mostly because of the sand pit. It's like, oh, this is like pre Tremors a little bit. Mm, yeah, yeah, you know, it's like it reminded me of a Invasion of Body Snatchers. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Yeah, I mean. Like I said, it, ha- it has its moments where it's it's not bad. It's entertaining enough. And like I said, the creature designs are entertaining enough as well. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, w- you know, what exactly is the end point here? Because once they see those two workers get sucked into the sand pit, they're like, all right, now what do we do? You know, my parents are all fucked up. The town's all fucked up. And the kid remembers the general. And he's like, let's go talk to the general Wilson, whatever he was. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, because the general apparently knows the kid's father who works for NASA, they get entrance. But at the same time, because the town has been taken over from the Martians, they have, they do have a goal. Is they're trying to get copper, apparently.
0: Oh, yeah, because it powers their shit somehow. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And they're also setting a bomb onto a NASA, like a liquid oxygen truck, headed for a rocket headed for Mars.
0: I guess, because they're assholes.
1: Yeah, and I mean... It's like ah, they don't want NASA spying on us. (laughs) We have to destroy their rocket. That's the only thing I can make sense of it.
0: Right. Oh yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking just like blowing up rocket, not like. Even though I watched a fucking movie and they're talking about going and like (laughs) drilling underneath the surface to check the water, but it's it's so
1: like surface shit that you know it's like ah, this is kind of this only thing that would make sense to me (laughs) why this is happening. But after that rocket does blow up and shit, you know, things start to happen. Like, for instance, they're like, those two guys, we spotted them. You know, they're here on the base. And they call him into the office uh, that the general does. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, it seems like one of the guys is about to spill the beans. I mean, like, just, yeah, they, because they draw. the thing on the back of their neck, that little drone piece or whatever, it gets activated yeah and they draw their pistols and then renati comes in and fucks them up pretty good (laughs) and uh yeah the next like all right let's check some shit out and then that's when it starts getting the military involved
0: and when the army i mean the army sweeping in is pretty cool so often we've pointed it out before that so often when the military does get involved in these kind of movies it feels like they're rather ineffective And, like, they're getting their ass kicked, and it's up to the heroes to get through and do whatever. In this case, like, they're kicking some ass. They're not taking many many losses themselves. They're slowly making their way through and making their way to the fucking brain. And I just think that's neat. Kind of like, I mean, (laughs) dog soldiers is neat because they can actually stand up to the enemy. Now, the fucking drones... Can take as many fucking bullets as a Japanese kid in battle royale, and that's fucked up. But <laughs> yeah, no shit,
1: right? Uh, I, I tell you a moment that I kind of like is when they they get those two NASA scientists involved. You know, they do their sweep, all that stuff. Is uh, the guy we talked about earlier uh, from Harold and Mod? But oh yeah, uh, Cort, Bud Court. Bud Court. He uh, fucking he,
0: John Doe Jersey.
1: Yeah, he has a encounter with the drones, and he's like, uh, I think they understand me. You know, I think they get it. And he has that piece, you know, that they got from earlier. And he's like, here, I think I I got something that belongs to you. And he hands it to them. And those fuckers zap him. (laughs) He's like, of course that shit would have, you fucking idiot.
0: Yeah, but then they got iced.
1: They did. They got axed. And uh, yeah, that's when shit starts
0: to really kick off. But It sucks that they ended up having ice Rinaldi.
1: Yeah, it does suck. But, you know, what are you going to do, man? At that point, I mean, he he had really no choice. He was fucked.
0: Now, I am super surprised with just like how much they end up staying in the ship and shit in the back half of this movie. Yeah. A good and then, like bit. how like sci-fi focused it was. I do like that, man. There's yeah, there's a good portion of it. That was a good surprise. Like I was like, "What the fuck? Like now we're just having a fucking <laughs> like army invasion on a fucking spaceship."
1: Yeah, which was I like that part and the kid
0: and there's
1: other parts I mean the kid of course and, and uh, the nurse and some of the other military are also in the sand pit area too like behind the house and all that shit mm-hmm. so it's kind of layered in that respect but once the military finally does you know make their way in and start blowing shit up and fucking up yeah, the supreme was it martial intelligence mm-hmm. is that it retracts into its butthole <laughs> and uh don't they said like, they set a timer? When's the
0: part where the kid's talking to the intelligence with the teacher? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the kid gets snatched up. Because that was, shit was funny. I'll stay after school for the rest of my life if you'll just shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. He kind of goes off. He's like, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking
1: to him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happens. So the kid, after, I think it's Rinaldi, he gets sucked back in, doesn't he? And then the kid and the nurse get sucked in because he's like, my my mom and dad, he has that stupid moment, and they get sucked in, and then when they drop, Rinaldi's about to get the drill, and the teacher's up there looking, right, and the kid gets snatched up by the drones, and then he gets taken up there, and she's like, yeah. She's like, you know, this is a rare instance. Not everybody gets to meet the Supreme Marshal Intelligence, and that's when he does all that shit. But then, this is what I wrote, that the kid uh, gets mocked by the, the Supreme Marshal Intelligence. Oh, yeah. He's like... Poor little guy.
0: <laughs> but, I, but he had the fucking bag of pennies by that point. And that's when he smacks the bitch. <laughs> and I just, I lost it because I'm like. kind of ba- funny. It's basically a fucking sack tap. He did. He's <laughs> like, look at the way the Supreme Martial Intelligence looks. Like, I've called it a clip before, but it's also kind of just like a fucking ball bag. That's pretty funny because
1: the kid does straight up punch it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's like, whap. Oh, and it's dude. like, ooh, and it does like it doesn't react well. Like just getting punched, it did not dig that. Like it got <laughs> knocked uh, fucking for a loop for a second. the fuck? <laughs> Which makes you wonder how it takes so many fucking bullets later on. But
1: Dude, I don't know. But Mckelch she winds up getting eaten by one of the drones. Yep.
0: Yeah. And then Which, whatever, fucker.
1: Yeah, and then the nurse, she's starting to get prepped for the probe or whatever. It, this is when Rinaldi's killed when he pulls his pistol on Wilson and company. And then after all that shit, uh, I put Captain Curtis, who's a, a part of that whole platoon. Uh, he winds up killing the aliens. Uh, this is what I said after the kid warns them, you know, because those drones are there. So the kid's kind of giving them a heads up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they, uh, they open fire on the remaining aliens and the Supreme Martial Intelligence. Uh, it stops the probing of Linda. I put uh, a soldier sets a bomb to detonate in five minutes so everybody's starting to evacuate. I so said that's when the SMI, Supreme Martial Intelligence, is attempting to escape via this ship, the spaceship. And then uh, David uses his 58D penny, mm-hmm. because it's mint condition, from the to beginning. activate the alien weapon, which was like that eyeball thing. Yeah. Because they're stuck. There's The entrance is gone, or the exit's gone yeah, from I the tunnels. We'll
0: blow our way out. Yeah, and so that's oh. what he does. So he connects it they blast their way out do you know why they were stuck and had to use the alien weapon because they were flying fucking fancy free with the fucking bazooka earlier and just letting <laughs> off rounds at things like 10 feet in front of them <laughs>
1: <laughs> good point alright and this is when I put the the kids parents they're trying to lure him back into the into the tunnel
0: the spacecraft or whatever don't know what you're missing
1: yeah he's like ah, I'm good I'm, <laughs>
0: yes I do <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: like I'm good uh, but he winds up running away before the spaceship blows up and all that stuff. And then, of course, it also deactivates the parents' probes or whatever. And then uh, what what happens after all that is the kid wakes up from a nightmare.
0: All right, so legitimately kind of fuck this ending. Yeah. Because I'm like...
1: All right. I kind of can see why they would do this, but we'll get to the, the end. end. Uh, I do
0: like that they leave it super open. Yeah,
1: yeah how it leaves you kind of hanging kind of fuck it yeah because i'm like ah it would have been fine just the way it ended adventure story yes it would have been fine just the way it ended with the spaceship blowing up and the kid you know being reunited with his kid his parents and all that stuff
0: there still would have been some bad fallout because people did get killed exactly but the teacher still have like the majority of the town saved by the things being activated and yeah have a little bit of your cake and eat it too
1: Exactly, like probably some of the school students, uh, his classmates or whatever, because they were on that field trip with the teacher, mm-hmm. the little girl, all that stuff, whoever was involved, a few others who didn't make it. But the kid, instead, of what we get, is kind of what happened in the beginning of the film where he wakes up and instead of him seeing the spaceship land and all that shit, he just has a nightmare and the parents comes in the room and he tells them the story and they're like, yeah, that sounds, you know, pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, once again, they're just kind of chalking it up. to like it's the course of events that happen throughout the day. You know, that's why you're having these dreams. And he goes back to bed, and then he wakes up because there's a thunderstorm, and he looks out, and that spacecraft lands. Lends again. Yeah, and then he just stares off into space, quote-unquote, or, you know, behind his house. And uh, that's it. That's pretty much it. So, like you said, it's, it's ambiguous enough, but then again, it's like, kind of fuck that ending because...
0: Well, no, he doesn't stare ambiguous into space. He runs to his parents' room. Oh, yeah, yeah, and and, 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 yeah, you're right. And fucking whatever he sees makes him scream.
1: That's ab- you're absolutely right. Yeah, 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 that's right. He, he does go back in his parents' room, yeah. And we don't know exactly what he sees, but it's implied they're probably getting fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. And then it just ends on that freeze frame.
0: So here's the other reason why fuck that ending, because that means the kid's previous dream meant he was fucking telling the future.
1: Yeah, and how would that happen?
0: How are you fucking prescient about Invaders from Mars? That's
1: kind of what I'm curious about. Now this implies something completely different about the kid. Yeah. That we don't know anything about because there's not enough information given in this film.
0: So it's just for fucking shock value.
1: Uh, Maybe it's (laughs) Dune-esque. I don't know. His dreams come come true. Overall, I I had a
0: fun time with the movie.
1: No, it was a fun film. Like I said, it's reminiscent of the throwback 1950s kind of action adventure sci-fi kind of films and whatnot, but with an 80s flair, of course. Pretty mm-hmm. good, strong cast. Pretty reputable people behind the the camera.
0: I liked the score.
1: Yeah, score was good. Cinematography looked really good too. I have the to say, creatures
0: look really fucking good. Yeah, the effects the were all well done, and the Supreme Martian intelligence both look really fucking good. When we see Rinaldi get implanted, that looks pretty good. You can oh. kind of tell it's fake, but it looks It still really looks pretty
1: good. decent, yeah. Like, overall, not a bad film, not a great mm-hmm. film, but I think for those who are, you know, maybe looking for something a little bit more sci-fi-y, mm-hmm. more so than horror, it's not a bad one to watch with the family
0: a Family friendly movie for a family that doesn't mind a little bit extra cussing than most family friendly yeah, movies, yeah, exactly. Not much more, but nah. I would say they say when you normally talk about a family friendly movie, they usually don't <laughs> say shit and damn as much times as I agree.
1: Slow-wise. I was like, wow, I was kind of surprised by that, but then again, I was like, time period makes sense, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah. I don't really have much else to say about it, like, I'm nah. kind of glad we watched it, but yeah, it's fun to Toby Hooper movies, too.
1: Well, exactly.
0: Oh, here's the thing I was gonna say. So, it's pretty widely agreed now at this point that it might be Toby Hooper's name on Poltergeist, but Spielberg probably did most of it. I'd say this might be the movie that proves that there's definitely parts of Poltergeist that Hooper did.
1: You know what's interesting, too?
0: Because parts of this felt more like a Steven Spielberg adventure movie. I believe I read something where he was
1: initially tapped to direct uh, this film spielberg that is mm. and it's like yeah you, you can
0: kind of see it man it kind of makes
1: sense in a, in a way
0: but yeah that's but, where it makes it hard to decide who did <laughs> what you know what i mean <laughs> yeah which you know at some point we'll tackle we'll know definitively mm-hmm. at some point but
1: you know it's it's still um, it's still interesting to see like there are remnants of their
0: fingerprints on this film I guess I just would... I didn't feel enough fingerprints on this that felt definitively like Hooper. No, 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 no. I know what you're saying there. Um, no, maybe maybe
1: some other people that weren't involved with the project itself, it had some of their fingerprints more so It felt kind of
0: like Dan O'Bannon. Yeah. It's Even kinda, visually, it felt like more like Dan O'Bannon than it did Hooper.
1: That's what I'm saying. There's some other people, I think, whose fingerprints are a little bit stronger in this one than Hooper, per se. But, uh, yeah, one of the three, like he had mentioned earlier, Canon films that he was tapped on board for, Maybe the the weakest in the... I don't know. I, I still need to watch Life Force to give a, a definitive answer on that one.
0: We'll get to that one before too long.
1: Yeah, but I, I do know that TCM2 is great That's one. gold. <laughs> that one's so good.
0: TCM2 is fucking golden. So good, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that one, by default, is going to be the best. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way Life Force is able to take it from I can't see that. From Dennis Hopper fucking dual wielding chains. Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna take a lot.
1: Bill Mosley, all that stuff too. Although
0: I do know that the like the lead chick, like the the main space vampire chick in Life Force is topless like ninety percent of the movie. I'm okay with that. So (laughs) we'll see. It'll make when we finally get to it pretty enjoyable. (laughs) We haven't decided what we're doing next week, have we? No, we haven't. We need to do that. Do we have anything else to say on this before I go into the last closing this up? No, I think I've said everything I had to say. I said it once already before. I'll say it again, because I mean this both in the best of ways and the worst of ways. It is available for free to watch on YouTube. Yeah. That says a lot about what this movie kind of is, even though we both really enjoyed it. Good point. (laughs) Yeah. Let's see. So in order to listen to whatever we end up covering next week, which... I'm going to say right now, like, let's not lean towards this family friendly because this was fun, but whatever. Fuck it. Yeah. So if you want to lean towards something harder and edgier than what we talked about this week, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. That'd be super cool. So if you could rate and review however you're listening to us right now, that'd also be super cool. Get us up in those algorithms more. Get us listened to more. You can always go check out our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Check out our entire back catalog there. You can contact us through the website or by emailing us squirmcast at gmail.com. Click the links up at the top of the website. We are part of the Earworm Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on the site. Listen to me talk about a bunch of nerdy shit over on General Nerdery. I'll listen to my co-host from there talk about fucking war treatises mixed with nerdy shit over on The Art of War Gaming. More shows to come. Find us Fried Squirms across all the social medias. That'd be super cool. I'll probably post a picture of like the one that I have. Yeah, if you I do. Know what I mean. That'd be pretty like- awesome. Look, here's my Supreme Martian intelligence <laughs> right next to the Martians from Mars Attacks and yeah, right, right underneath critters. a uh, fucking Ferengi. Oh, yeah, and right above Critters and right below a Ferengi. Yeah, that's pretty Who's awesome. right below a Dalek, who's right below Khan. And then right you Christ guys are from getting from the, Howard fucking, the Duck. How yeah. the <laughs> Yeah, dude, some really cool characters on that poster. So, yeah, that way you guys can see what the fuck we're talking about. But it's not going to matter for next week because we're going to go get <laughs> we'll gorier, think. meaner. I don't know what yet. Yeah, not family friendly, nice family friendly, perhaps. Family friendly. Not nice. that I don't like family friendly, but there's eh, a time and place. Could, there's a time and place for this week. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried squirms. Oot. Oot.